Welcome to this week's episode of Eye of the Swarm, Season 4, Episode number 10, hitting double digits here for the, uh, I think, only like the second year out of the four years we've been doing this, and it's been kind of nice to be uninterrupted this year, unlike the previous few years, but at any rate, Episode 10 about to begin with... Adam DeMuth in the control room and the big sound, Matt Johnson. I am John Garver. And I got to ask, people people know I'm a Minnesota Vikings fan. Did you watch I did. the Viking-Bills game on Sunday? I did. I watched not all Holy of it. Holy moly. I was. I think I said something on Facebook to the effect of uh, Bills-Vikings speechless. Yeah. And uh, that pretty much summed it up. Yeah. I've never seen any football game go through the amount of twists and turns that that one did. Um, that was crazy. Yeah. It, it ranks right up there. I, I'm not one for hyperbole, but that's definitely a top five regular season game of NFL football that I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, in terms of how it ended, I mean, it was crazy. I mm-hmm. mean, it was even last night after our basketball broadcast, I had the chance to go out and have a meal with uh, women's basketball coach, Emily Carpenter, assistant coach, Katie White, Jerry Carpenter, her dad, um, Bob Colby, and also um, – um, I think and, and Hal, uh, Harold Mulhern after the game, and it came up even in conversation there, and and I, I was still was blown away by it. Yeah, and everybody at the table still even said, "Wow, that's that it was, was really crazy. something." Yeah, you know, it was, it, it really was something. It was it was a crazy game. I have not seen that many twists and turns in that span of time either. I mean, that was all that stuff happened in like five to ten minutes. Right. And everything from Jefferson's catch to the fourth and one that didn't convert on the on the goal line to the fumble at the goal line the other way for the touchdown, then the field goal, and then the interception. I mean, it was just thing after thing after thing happened. The fourth down play, you know, it, it was pretty much unbelievable. I, I didn't watch it live. Okay. I was on dad duty. Okay. And so <clears throat> we were out doing some other stuff outside and and everything, and I was my mom was texting me. And she was losing her mind. <laughs> and and she finally got to the, are you, can you believe this? And I said, no, I'm not watching. I'm, I'm outside. <clears throat> we were doing some cleanup outside and playing a little bit of hockey in the driveway and stuff. So, no, I'm not seeing this, but I'll, I'll watch it later. And it's a, a nice stress-free viewing when you know the result. Right, yeah. But even watching that, knowing what was going to happen at the end... I, I knew they won. Right, I didn't yeah. know the how. Right. Yeah. I didn't know how any of that played out. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I mean, the changes of momentum are crazy. My right? heart was pounding at the end of that thing. Yeah, it, was, it was. It's it's, it's the book you read twice, but you still get excited at the end. Well, it was as emotional as I've seen two teams going at it in a regular season game. I mean, it looked like a, a college game. Yeah, a college rivalry game. That's how invested the two teams were in mm-hmm. the outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of how they reacted to it. Right. It really was kind of a game where the passions really came out. Mm-hmm. A lot of times with pro athletes, especially the ones who've been around a while, it becomes almost mechanical. Yeah. Like, especially during regular season because it's they have so many games that they play. You know, they have so many. Well, they're building up to postseason. Yeah, they're you know they're not necessarily going to go a hundred percent every single regular season game. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it, especially um, with two teams that are f- not cemented but are in fairly good postseason position. Right. Right. Exactly. They can take a day off. They can take a little day <laughs> off, or or at least maybe a, like a little bit of time off where they're not as intense. 
Um, it definitely happens in the sports where there are a lot of games like hockey and basketball and, and baseball. Even in football, I think it does happen, mm-hmm. especially with the teams that know they're not going anywhere. Yep. But you could see as as events unfolded how more and more invested they were getting yep. in the game as events took place. And mm-hmm. pretty soon by the end, it was like full-out college-level enthusiasm going on out there. Yep. The, all of the kind of mechanical, cerebral, kind of never-get-too-high-too-low kind of emotion kind of drained away. And now all you had was these two teams really going after each other yep. trying to win this football game. And yeah. it was kind of cool to see that from a bunch of guys that are millionaires out there playing a kid's game because mm-hmm. that's what all pro sports are. They're kid's games. Right. And to see them kind of put that passion in, it was really unique. I, I Like I said, I have not seen that in a regular season, especially mid-season. Right. It's a mid-season game. It's not even, you know. No, it's a random playoffs. game in November. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, both teams had really good records, and it was, a, for that reason alone, it was somewhat, stakes were a little higher. Yep. But to just see the pure emotion from both sides, it was it was something to see. I, I mean, I'm not I'm not a Vikings fan, but wow, that was really a treat to watch. You know, and I I am, and as a result, I've learned how to deal with misery and how how <laughs> right. to have my you know my hopes and dreams smashed, how to have my heart ripped out of my chest and stomped on as I watch. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I get it, and so I. I think from because of that, that's why this was such an enjoyable win. Because traditionally, the Vikings don't win these games. No, those are the kind of games. They this is the lose. game that the Vikings have these games slip away from them. Right. Yeah. This doesn't happen to the team in purple. And I, you know, and I, I'm in a family full of Packer fans. <laughs> you are indeed. I am. <laughs> you know, and now they. It's a win in November. You know, we'll see you in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, we're not going to see you in the Super Bowl this year. But right. Yeah. yeah. You know. <clears throat> It, it, just enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and enjoy it for what it was. It was a total spectacle. A it really thrilling, was. thrilling contest. Yeah. Are they going to win the Super Bowl? Doubt it. Yeah. You know, are they going to get there? Probably not. Right. This team, I think, has a few too many flaws to to be able to get that far. But at the same time, they're figuring out ways to win these games. So, yeah. You know, it was it was a very enjoyable thing, like you said. Well, it's like Heart Attack Central every the week. Twists but, and turns, yeah. holy moly! But I think that's a that's a good that's a good lead in. Yeah, men's soccer. You want to talk about twists and turns, Man. and you know, um, one getting away at the end. Holy moly! Yeah, that was. Uh, you know, I didn't get a chance to see that one live either because I was. I was um, on the air, but okay. I had I had that going on my laptop as I was calling the game, and it was just a, you know, it was a wild one. In your mind, you're going, all right, they're they're advancing. You know, you're looking at this going, they're up a goal, minute and a half left. You don't have the the twists and turns as you go, and you don't have that the quick strike necessarily right. yeah. in soccer like you get in a hockey. Right, yeah. <laughs> and I, I guess you do because it happened. Yeah, yeah, and it was unfortunate that it, it happened It was a real gut way. punch. Yeah, it was a real gut punch. And, you know, the guys, I'll, I will say this about UWS men's soccer. When they get to the NCAA tournament, they're ready to go. Yep. Every year. Joe I mean, Mooney has them ready to play. Yeah, they're ready to go every year. They never um, look out of place there. No, and they always give a really good accounting of themselves. We talked about last year uh, when they played Wash U. They mm-hmm. ended up losing one nothing. This time they end up losing to North Central 3-2 to two as we get into that one. They finished the season, by the way, 16-4-2, and two, um, making their fifth straight trip to the NCAA tournament. But the way that they lost that game against North Central was what everyone will talk about for a while. And it's a real gut punch, but it, yep. the guys give a really good accounting of themselves. So... You take the good with the bad. Mm-hmm. This one stings, but 
Um, to say that they were not ready would be an, uh, you know, that they were not ready to play would be completely in- incorrect. Correct. They're ready to go basically from the start against an undefeated team. Mm-hmm. And number really ten in the country. Gave them everything I mean, they wanted. Yep, yep. This is the number ten team in the nation. They're hosting that regional. You know, so this is uh, right. Far and away the best competition they saw all year. Oh yeah, yeah, and they they gave more than a good accounting of yep. themselves. Uh, UWS in that three to two loss led two to one until the final two minutes when the Cardinals scored twice to rally back and defeat the Yellow Jackets in a dramatic finish. Those two goals coming about 50 seconds apart. 47 the, seconds. Yeah, about 50 seconds apart. So, tough one, like you said. And it was in the 89th minute, I think. Yeah, there was under yeah. two minutes to play. They scored the uh, the go-ahead goal, I want to say, with like 102 to play yeah. or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Which, It's man, heartbreaking. Yeah. It, it's yeah. Tough. You know, that's, it's a heartbreaking situation. Uh, UWS's goals came from Blake Perry, who finishes up his Yellow Jacket career. And Gavin Watkinson at 25-28 and 85-23, respectively. Just to set the scene here, it was 1-1 going into the last six minutes before Watkinson scores to give the Yellow Jackets a 2-1 lead. This was after a, a uh, North Central red card, apparently. Right, and I, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know they were yeah. playing a man down. Yeah, so. and then, so you're thinking it's 2-1, to one, there's six minutes to go. You know, now we're in, We we're, defend well. We defend well, so we're in good shape. Unfortunately, a couple of counterattacks bit the Yellow Jackets because they were actually pressing deep in North Central Territory, and a couple of counterattack goals allowed the Cardinals to escape with the victory. Um, and it was a result of two goals, one from Jaziel Enriquez and Daniel Navarro, but they came at 88.08 and 88.57. So two goals in that 89th minute mm. to uh, basically nip the Yellow Jackets at the at the wire. Yep. Three to two the final. North Central had a 19 to 13 edge in total shots, including 16 to eight. The advantage in shots on goal, Alex Paredes made 13 saves in the contest for the Yellow Jackets. So a tough way to end. Um, there was some bright spots, though, for the Yellow Jackets in terms of postseason hardware, individually anyway. We didn't get a chance to go to the all-conference teams for men's soccer last week because they weren't announced. They weren't out yet. But we got them this week, uh, the UMAC, announcing their all-conference teams for 2022, and nine Yellow Jackets gained recognition from the conference. Blake Perry was named UMAC Offensive Player of the Year, his first time he's ever received that honor, which was really surprising considering the career that he's had. He's into the uh, mid-70s now, I think, in terms of career goals, yeah. and that's where he'll end up. Yeah. Um, that, that record will never be broken. Yeah. I, I have a hard time seeing it. I'll put it that way. Head coach Joe Mooney was also named UMAC Coach of the Year for the fourth time, so congratulations to Coach Mooney. While Philip Erickson, Alex Hansen, Josh Bellamy, and Mackie Ringrose joined Perry on the all-conference first team. Andy Rowland and Harry Ambler were named all-conference second team, while Prius was named honorable mention all-conference Carter Tess was UWS's representative on the UMAC sportsmanship team. So all in all, really good year for the Yellow Jackets. Again, got back to the NCAA tournament, hung a couple more banners, and mm-hmm. uh, on and uh, onward and upward Yeah, with men's soccer. They seem to be just kind of plowing right along. And, they do. Uh, you know, they, yeah. they, they've definitely got the – they definitely have something. Yeah, they do. You know, and it's it's – the sample size is big enough now where – yeah. yeah, this this is one of the best programs in the country. Yeah, yeah, you most know, consistent for sure. The, the big question is going to be on everybody's mind going into 2023, who's going to score the goals with Blake yeah. Perry gone? They do bring back a couple of double-digit scores. Uh, Philip Erickson had 13 this year. Jake Kidd, the freshman from right here in Spirit, had 10. And he didn't actually play a lot of minutes. Right. He scored those 10 goals in less than 1,000 And he'll be a year. starter next year. And he'll so. be a starter next year. And then uh, I know that they're bringing in a couple of really talented recruits too. Uh, one guy I know for sure – that's coming, that played for Duluth FC this past uh, summer with Blake Perry and was a really good player. And didn't see the field that I, I felt as much as he should have with Duluth FC, but he's going to be a star. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, they're going to be – they'll be strong again next year, and we'll see hopefully if they can keep that run going. I, 
I don't know why they wouldn't. Right. So we'll uh, we'll check them in men's soccer, of course, in another year. Women's okay. soccer will also be very strong next year, but their season concluded with a seven to one loss against Loris at the Rock Bowl in Dubuque in the first round of the NCAA tournament. UWS finishes up the season 15-4-4. Four four. A little bit deceiving in some regards because the, sh- the stats were not that one-sided. No, they weren't. And yeah, that was and the uh, – because I, I looked at the – I checked in at halftime. Right, yeah. And it was it was 6 nothing. Right, went, yeah. Oh, my gosh. And then I looked at the stats and I'm like, oh, man. Yeah. It's- <laughs> There's some bad luck in here then because these yeah. numbers aren't skewed that one-sidedly. No, no. It did, uh, you know, I'm watching the game – UWS was getting some push and getting the ball up the field. They had some chances. And had some chances. And Loris just, it came down to, they they converted like crazy. Yeah, they did. Their efficiency was off I mean, the one charts. girl had five goals. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they yeah. yeah. Duoc scored six or seven goals in that first half to lead six to one at the half. Yellow Jackets' lone goal came from Maya Holmquist, her 21st of the year, by the way, at 8.22 of the opening half. That made it two to one. And then Loris scored, I think from there, the next four goals in a matter of like, 20 minutes. Yeah. To go up six to one. They added one more in the second half. They end up out shooting the Yellow Jackets 25 to seven. And with that kind of margin, though, you don't expect it to be seven to one. Right. Uh, 14 to two of the imagined shots on goal. Jenna Lang made seven saves for UWS. But the Yellow Jackets next year figure to lose just one player, that being Mackenzie Olderking, who uses up her eligibility. Everybody else will return for UWS again next fall. And depending on they're going to be really good. Next yeah, they're going to be really. They're going to be really tough. Yeah, they're going to be really good. There's going to be a lot of goals scored next year. There's going to be a lot of talent on that team. Yep. So keep an eye on women's soccer because yeah, I gonna think be they're really going to be really tough next year. Yeah, they're going to be really good. They've been kind of building up. Yep. The last couple of years, but next year they're going to be loaded for bear. Yep. For sure. Men's and women's cross country also concluded their respective seasons this past weekend. Both teams competing at the NCAA Division Three North Region Championships hosted by Saint Olaf College at the St. Olaf Country or Cross Country Trails in Northfield, Minnesota on Saturday. The men finished in 22nd place, finishing with 645 points as a team. Michael Butterfield finished with a time of 2606.5 to play 67th out of 209 finishers. So not a bad run for no, Butterfield. No, And on the women's side, the Yellow Jackets finished with a team score of 863 points to place 29th as a team. Leading the way was Hallie Barker, who finished with a time of 2517.2. So the Yellow Jacket women's... And men's cross country teams are concluded for the season and another conference championship for the men. So, not bad there for Coach Glenn Drexler not and company. Not bad. And with that, the fall season officially put to bed. Yep, that's it. Now, so now we're into the full winter season. One of those winter teams, men's basketball, two and one overall. They split two games at the Merrill Thompson Classic, sponsored by the National Bank of Commerce at the Mertz on Friday and Saturday. Open up the tournament with a nice win over Central. Real nice Iowa. win. Yeah, 63 57. Because there are some big boys on that central team. They were tall. The Yellow Jackets able to pick up the victory. Joseph Fahrenholtz, who's having a great start to the year. Mm-hmm. Led the way for the Yellow Jackets, 17 points. He went 8 out of 16 from the field. Joey Barker had 12 points. He was 4 of 11 on the night for the Yellow Jackets. And then on Saturday in the championship game of the tournament, the Yellow Jackets fell to UW-Platteville, 77-68. Tough loss. The Yellow Jackets led that game they for about 3 quarters of They were up 10 at the half. Yeah, 10 at the half. Led the game against the Pioneers for about 3 quarters of it. Before it slipped away a little bit late. A lot of technical fouls in that second half as well that they, kind of played a part in it. And they came out a little cold. A little bit cold in the, the second, second half. half. Uh, UWS was paced by Joseph Fahrenholtz again, who had a huge game. 28 points and 7 rebounds for Fahrenholtz. He was 11 out of 17 from the field and also made 4 out of 6 from 3-point range. He's just really playing well right now. Yep. While Reed Johnson added 11 points for the Yellow Jackets. He went 4 for 4 from the field. And so UWS, nice start to the year, though, at 2-1. 2-1, and, you know, again, the, the loss... 
they led, like you said, three quarters of that game. They were they yeah. were in front against the team that has won the WIAC three of the last five years. Yeah, and waited until the second round of the NCAA tournament last year. Yeah, so I mean, so, this isn't yeah. they're they're you know that's no pushover. No, not at all, not at all. You and know, in fact, I think they, they were, were picked to finish fourth in the WIAC this year, but third again, or fourth. Yeah, they've won three of the last five and were a yeah you know were a, yeah. a second round team. That's a they good were. club. Yeah, they went toe to toe with that team, and it was a tough big game. I think you you get the same argument from Platteville. It was a tough. Drag out game. Yellow Jackets coming up a little bit short, but for a young team mm-hmm. with a lot of new pieces, it was a good showing for mm-hmm. sure. Women's basketball. H- having also- seen them now, Matt, uh, before you move on, right? W- we talked a little bit when uh, Coach was in here a couple of weeks ago. You know, now seeing some of those newcomers, who did you like? Um, you know, the newcomers right now are kind of playing their way in a little bit in terms of um, kind of finding their groove a little bit. I like Levy Miguel. He's one of the upperclassmen that transferred in. Uh, he's a native of Angola. He came in um, as kind of a graduate transfer. Um, nice player. Yeah, he's really only got athletic. one year, right? Yeah, he's got the <clears> one year. Um, he's very athletic. He's not the biggest guy in the world. I'd say he's probably 6'3", 6'4", maybe. But he moves real well. He defended pretty well. Um, you know, Fahrenholtz is off to a great start. Um, and if they can continue to ride him and he can continue to score the way that he scored this weekend, they're going to be in good shape. Um Reed Johnson has taken a step forward this year. He's a guy that didn't play as much last year. Sometimes he gets a little bit, you know, the game was a little bit too fast for him at times, but he played really well this weekend, I thought, in both games. Um, and he's a sharpshooter. So if his, his feet get set and he gets a chance to look at the basket uh, and square up and let the ball go, uh, there's a pretty good chance it's going to find the bottom of the net. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I mean, it's a lot of the, the, the same guys coming back that really kind of helped carry the load against – um, UW Platteville. Uh, Javon Walker had a tough game against Platteville. It's a tough matchup because they really get up and guard and they're in your face quite a bit. Um, TJ Moberg had some really good moments, I thought. Uh, he got bite up a lot as well. The Yellow Jacket backcourt got beaten up pretty good. Yep. And that's one of the kind of the hallmarks of how Platteville plays. They do get up uh, in your face, in your grill, as we would say in basketball terms. I mean, they're right there. They don't give you any space with which to work, really. Um, and Carter Brown, you know, it's it's good to see him back out there. He had some good moments as well. Uh, not as many of the young guys play, but again, because it's Platteville, you know, the, the, some of the guys are probably not ready for that level right. yet. And so you're kind of trying to bring them along a little bit more slowly. But, uh, you know, the shooting percentages were high. Uh, they need to work on rebounding for sure. Rebounding really hurt them against Platteville. Gave them 17 offensive rebounds. That's too many. Can't give that many. Um, and they, they had chances to make plays – that they didn't. I mean, they missed a few bunnies inside in the second half that could have made a difference as well down the stretch. Um, but all in all, I was pretty happy uh, with what I saw. I mean, they have a very difficult stretch of non-conference games coming up, yes, so we'll see where they're at after that. But, yeah, I'm encouraged by what I saw. You know, I mean, Good. being that Central team was not easy, mm-hmm. especially with the pacing that they put on Lawrence the following day. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of you who don't know, they defeated Lawrence 80-43 to in the first game on Saturday yeah. and really, really took it to the Vikings on that game. And I mean that central team. I I think that they're they're a sleeper. I mean they could they could make a run because they're really big. You know they had a couple of six ten guys and uh, they got some nice size on the perimeter. They shoot the ball well. So Yellow Jackets already with a nice win against Saint Scholastica, a better win I'd say probably against uh, Central, and then uh, hanging right there with Laffville. Sure. If you're a coach Greg Polkowski, you're pretty happy, pretty happy. With, with how you how you showed this weekend. Good. Women's basketball also off to a nice start um, at two and zero. They defeated Saints Scholastica in their only game of the week yesterday, defeating the Saints. 
in a game uh, 91.3 with yours truly at the call. 71-47 to with the win. UWS has now won the last 19 matchups with St. Scholastica dating back to 2011. So it has been more than a decade since the Yellow Jackets fell to St. Scholastica. So it's been a dominating stretch here. Only one of those 19 games, by the way, single digits. Wow. All of them, almost all of them have been in double figures. Again, the case last night, the Yellow Jackets jumped out on the Saints early. 13-0. 13-0 and 24-10 after one. Oof. And then the Yellow Jackets expanded it to 43-22 at the break. And from there, UWS never led by less than 18 points the rest of the way. And picking up the win offensively, UWS was led by Kaylin Christian, who's off to a really good start in her senior year. 16 points, while Brighton Kukowski and Chloe Peterson each had 10 points for the Yellow Jackets, and UWS also had three other players with eight points. So really balanced scoring. I was actually very happy with what I saw. I thought they played a really nice game last night. Yeah, I thought they played really smart. Um, they forced a lot of turnovers. Mm-hmm. Uh, St. Scholastica came in having the reputation of shooting a lot of threes. They really closed out on the perimeter well. The Saints really struggled trying to find space on the perimeter, especially in that first quarter. Yep. And the Yellow Jackets jumped on them, and head coach, new coach, Emily Carpenter doing a really nice job as far as scouting because they were ready to go yesterday. Yeah. And they came out and took it to the Saints right off the opening tip practically. And, yeah, I mean, they led from wire to wire. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like I said, 19 in a row over Saints Scholastica. That's quite a run. Yeah. And I was going to ask you, actually, because I know that you were part of a group that didn't lose to, to Scholastica for how long now? There was a big run in there too, right? Um, It was 1992 until 2007, I think, so 15 years. 15 years, so that's a span. It was a span of like 54 games or something. Wow, like that's that. crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. I didn't know it was that long of a, yep. of a run, uh, but 19 in a row in basketball is a lot. Yeah, and so 19 in a row now for the Yellow Jackets over Saints Classico. By the way, with that win, UWS leads the all-time series 40 to 22. So the Yellow Jackets were one down in the all-time series before this run started, and now they are 18 up in the win category in the all-time series. Women's hockey, meanwhile. Fell to 3-2 and two on the season. They lost two games in shutout fashion last week, but, uh, boy, you could not sneeze at the competition that they faced. No. In losing two nationally those two ranked games. teams there, man. Yeah, losing to UW-Eau Claire, who's in the top 10. I think they're number 8, right? They're number 8. Yeah. Lost to Eau Claire 3-0 on Saturday at Westman Arena before getting shut up by the number 2 ranked team in the country yesterday. Gustavus Adolphus 7-0 at Don Roberts Ice Arena in St. Peter, Minnesota against Eau Claire. The Blue Gold scored single goals in each period to pick up the shutout. So one goal in each of the three frames for Eau Claire. Blue Gold's outshot the Yellow Jackets 39-10 for the game. Rose Beeman had 36 saves in goal. And then against the Gusties, UWS only trailed 1-0 going into the third. But, boy, floodgates opened in Penalties. that third period for the Gusties. <laughs> yeah, they, they had five power play goals last Five night. power play goals. And they scored six times in the third yeah. to make it 7-0 in the final. Rose Beeman, 47 saves in goal for the Yellow Jackets. I think that Gustavus team is pretty darn good. Yeah, and they they traditionally are. Yeah, you know they're they're a division, they're usually top they're 10. division three power. They're usually in the top ten, often in the top five. Yep. So and they're always the, you know, the cream of the crop in the in the, in the MIAC. Camp. So yeah, they'll. That was no uh, that was no easy task last no. night for Dan Laughlin and not company. at all. And last but not least, men's hockey. They had a nice weekend. They did. And we'll talk more about that with John here in a moment, get his impressions of how the weekend went. Mm-hmm. They're now sitting at 3-2 and two overall, swept a pair of games on the road last weekend, defeating Bethel in a tight contest, to say the least. A little bit of a lack of offense in that one. one nothing. the final score. I disagree with what you just said. Really? That was not a lack of offense. Well, they did have 39 shots. So I they, did. Yeah. they did. They um, did. Both teams defend well. Okay. And for the... For people unfamiliar with Bethel, this isn't your grandpa's Bethel. Okay. They're they're a better team. They're okay. very well coached. Because the shots were 39-29, right? Yep. Yeah, okay. They're very systematic. Um, 40-29, I believe. 40-29. Okay, 29. 29, okay. Yep. 
40th shot was the goal. Okay. Um, but it was very systematic. They're, they're a good team. They skate well. Their goaltender was fantastic. Really that good. Night. Okay. Really good. Okay. And uh, I, I, it's one of those games where it probably very easily could have been five, okay. six, but it was one because that goaltender played that well. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure. It was, it was a great hockey game. Okay. It was easily the, the most complete game of the year. Um, I would go back to probably the St. John's game in January of last season. Okay. As it, that's the best game I, that we, we've had since then. It was okay. a, just an enjoyable end-to-end both teams into a game. Well, usually in a one nothing game, you don't see it. You can't really say that because no. a lot of times it's like a lack of No, not at all. And, okay. There was chances both ways. I mean, there's breakaways both ways. It, it was a good hockey game. Exciting game to watch. Yep. Yeah, cool. one nothing. the goal, C.J. Walker, by the way. At 17.54 the third period, I mean, at that point you're probably thinking, well, overtime is looming here. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. I was thinking three-on-three. Three. You yep. know, I'm talking to C.J. before the game on Saturday. He thought the same thing. You okay. know, their minds were, this is going to be an OT game. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you've gone through, you know, 57 minutes of scoreless hockey, yep. that's what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, the assist, by the way, on C.J. Walker's game winner from Antonio DiPaolo. Dylan Milan, meanwhile, got the starting goal and posted the shutout with 29 saves. Freshman, he's playing pretty well in goals. Very he? well. Yeah, he's very well. I know he was a quick trip uh, athlete of the week, so we'll talk more about that mm-hmm. in a second here. And then there was no lack of goals, however, on Saturday for the Yellow Jackets against St. Mary's UWS, scoring four power play goals and got a shorthanded goal as well. So a shorty in there mm-hmm. for UWS and picking up the victory. Six different goal scorers for the Yellow Jackets: mm-hmm. Austin Paul, C.J. Walker, Reed Stark, Colton Friesen, Colin Peterson, and McGregor Sinclair all scored for the Jackets. While Dylan Milan made 21 saves in goal, and Milan was named, as I mentioned just a moment ago, Wyack Quick Trip Athlete of the Week for men's hockey. And sounds like it was a pretty good weekend across the board there, going on the road, getting a couple of nice results. Mm-hmm. Game with Bethel was nip and tuck, but mm-hmm. able to uh, put a little bit more behind it in the wind against uh, St. Mary's. Your impressions of the weekend? Good. It was good. You know, they, they needed that, I think, um, after, you know, after the start to the three home games. And you know, be all oh, they're one and two, yeah, but they played two teams in the top five, right? Yeah, and two really two good teams, really good teams that were in the final four a year ago. So, you know, your the competition was nothing to sneeze at. And I, I think if you were to ask coach, you would say part of the reason they came out and played as well as they did and got those wins was because of the teams that they played, right? Yeah, the previous week. Well, those teams come out and punch you in the mouth, yeah. And, and so I, that they, was something that happened in both yeah. against Adrian and against Augsburg, yep. So as they came out, I and mean, elite teams do that. They, they come do. out and they hit you. They do. Yeah. You know, but he, they came out, they played two good games. The special teams was good. The goaltending was great. You know, you, you got the offense you needed. Your D's, D was good. You weren't giving up a lot of shots. It was a good weekend for them. Yeah, so hopefully more to come. They'll, they'll be back home this weekend on a split. We'll talk more yep. about that in the final segment. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing them. I'm planning on being there on uh, – I'll be a little bit late for the opening faceoff because I work till 7 at the store. Mm-hmm. But I'll, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing them play on uh, Saturday and see uh, you know how the young pups are coming along. There's a lot of them. Yeah, because there's a lot of them. There's, there's a lot, lot of new them. names on that on yeah. that roster this year. So while on your way from the store, listen to 91.3. I'll be telling the story. I will be. <laughs> that that that's always on my check mark list. Yeah, absolutely. So. We're gonna take a timeout. When we come back on I Have the Swarm. We're gonna switch gears a little bit and uh, get away from coaches and athletes. We'll catch up with Holden Law, our digital content marketing. He's kind of a jack of all trades. Yeah, he really, that's probably <laughs> the, right, the right word. In a lot of ways, he's kind of a Swiss Army knife. So he's yeah. going to stop by the studio, and we'll talk a little bit about some of the stuff behind the game action when Eye of the Swarm continues right after this.
can I borrow the sports page? Are we sure we're ready for this expansion? Of course we're ready for it. It's a great idea. Let's celebrate with a vacation. I'm thinking <laughs> Hawaii. We're ready for you. Is it okay if my friend comes with? Of course. Imagination's always welcome here. Bring us your best ideas. Let's see how we can help. National Bank of Commerce. Imagination's welcome. <laughs> We're back for the roundtable segment of this week's Eye of the Swarm and switching gears a little bit, even though I guess we kind of did that last week by having the COM203 class in here with us. But switching gears again, getting away from coaches and athletes, and we have sort of the guru of creative content with us, Holden Law. And I, I go back to my, my first Holden Law experience was I got an email from him asking to come and shoot a, a soccer match, and I thought, why does a law firm want to come and shoot the <laughs> soccer match? <laughs> it does. It, it, it does kind of sound like that. I think Holden, you and I, I think have joked about that. It's very much like, are you Holden Law? Yep. Like, <laughs> yeah, I get that a lot. Practice that law. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like so I, I, that was my first like, thing: is why yeah, in the world is this like... law firm contacting me about taking pictures? <laughs> You know, did one of our players do something wrong? Did somebody on another team right, do yeah, something yeah. wrong? What we'll is be, this all about? We'll be offering you a summons after this. But yeah, then I yeah. c- come to find out that no, it's just a an incredibly talented photographer and multimedia person who's who uh, wants to come in and take photos. And you know, next thing we know, he's not just shooting soccer; he's shooting everything, and suddenly has a burgeoning career at the university with all this. So it's been uh, quite a couple of years for you, hasn't it? Yeah, it has, and thank you. Yeah, it was kind of interesting to start. Um, I, when I started here, I was a finance major and then shot a few soccer games. And you asked if I wanted to shoot everything. And I was like, yeah, I'll try it. <laughs> and then changed my degree to marketing because I was like, well, this kind of fits that. And yeah, it all kind of fell into place. It's been great. When when did pho- photography start being a thing for you? Uh, right after I got done playing soccer at Lake Superior College. Um, I knew I kind of wanted to stay in sports, um, but didn't really know how. And my mom's a photographer and my dad takes photos too. So my dad shoots a lot of high school events and then shot for Minnesota United for a while um, at some of their games. So it was kind of just like the natural thing to pick up. My parents had an extra camera and gave it to me. So um, made it pretty easy to get into and then just randomly reached out to Minnesota United's photographer. And he was like, yeah, come to a game. And I had this very small camera that was should not be in that area. Um, <laughs> so I borrowed my parents' cameras. Um, had a great time and honestly just fell in love with it. Like it felt like I was on the field again, felt like I was part of it. Um, just a crazy atmosphere to jump into because I was like one of the first sporting events I shot too, just to go right into it. So it, it, that that's interesting to me because I guess in my mind, I, I this is something I didn't know. I thought this went back years and years and years with you. Mm-hmm. Like as a kid, I, I, I I knew your mom was a photographer, but I, I guess in my mind, I thought, you know, one of these things where you're a kid and you had your camera and you just kind of learned the quote unquote family business. But no, no. The, 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 you're relatively new to this. Yeah, very new. I mean, so I've probably had a camera for like five years now. Um, so it hasn't been that long at all. It's it's amazing for me too because I work with Holden not just with huh. UW Superior but I also work with him for Duluth FC. Right, and I can tell you this: the entire family is gifted when it comes to marketing, media, and 
production along right. with photography. Because literally the entire family is involved so you're, with what we do at Your Duluth brothers SC. had much more of a head start than you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he started graphic design when he was 12, 13. Holy um, moly. And then started designing just random stuff for players. And then soon players were asking him to do things. And then he shot for uh, hitting soccer and then hitting basketball. Um, yeah, yeah, he had a he had a really big head start. Wow. So, well, so and I, when I say that, I'm not kidding. Cause no. I, like, I mean – his dad, John, was our production engineer for Duluth FC broadcast this year because Holden and Harry, Harry being the brother we're talking about here, were on the field shooting you know, pictures, and Harry does a lot of the graphics and all that kind of stuff as well for Duluth FC, not just for UW-Superior. And his mom was up there too, and she would also pitch in. So it was literally the entire Law family was there for Duluth FC games helping produce these broadcasts. So I got a chance to see the entire family up close and personal and work with all four of them. And I can tell you, like I said, Holden comes from good stock because his dad is right <laughs> on top of it. His mom is too. She used to bring us cupcakes up during games. As, That's for the Harris important thing. And, and Joe Hurts. Mooney would not let it go. He brought it up every broadcast after they appeared. appeared. <laughs> she brought cupcakes for Harry's birthday. It happened to be a game for Duluth FC. And uh, Joe was not shy about saying, you know what, her Emily Law wants to bring us some more cupcakes. She can do it. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's literally like a family affair. And so when I met John and I met Emily, it was easy to see where Harry and Holden came from mm-hmm. in terms of their love for it and their skill for it. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's I love working with, with, with Holden because um, I work with him as often as anybody, just about. As I see him, not just during the school year, I see him year-round. And the work that he puts together, he and his brother, is fantastic. No, for those it, of you who don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. And yeah, it's really high-level stuff. We're going to kind of wade into the weeds a little bit on that, but I, it's just it's remarkable that you've only been doing this for a handful of years. So, I mean, it, it means you've, in that handful of years, you have crammed an awful lot of sharpening of the skills mm-hmm. into a, a very small window. Um, how? Uh I mean, it almost had to be able to do what you were doing in that short a time. It almost means that if if you're awake, mm-hmm. pretty much, this is what you're doing. Yeah, um, it literally is. Eat, breathe, sleep. This. Yep. I would say since I got my camera, I probably took photo. Fo- I take photos probably every day. Mm-hmm. Um, even when it wasn't sports, it was like nature, the ships in Duluth, the Garver family. family. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, family photos and then wedding photos and then sports just kind of. They compound on each other. So, I mean, it's probably two to 3,000 photos a game, um, depending on the event. Certain sports don't need that many because um, it would all look the same, so you got to be a little creative. But, it, I mean, it's millions of photos a year. So, I mean, even in November, I think I'm at like 162,000 photos um, for media days, all the games we've had, kind of crossover season. And it's the 16th for those listening. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. So, yeah. Hmm. It, it, it's it, it, that, that that's remarkable. Mm-hmm. It's I'm in awe of what he and, and Harry put out. I I'm no, I, absolutely, yeah. I am. So yeah. let's you know let's let, let's talk a little bit about that because it, it where where I, I understand some of it is ingrained, but where where does the where does the creativity come from? You know, is it just the idea that strikes you? Is it the the mindless scroll through social media and go, hey, that looks kind of cool. I wonder if we should try that. Is it a, a combination of things? Is it I, I constantly have my eye on TV, billboards, you know, 
bus advertisements, whatever. I mean, where, where does all this come from? I think it's a mix of all of that. Um, at first, it was mostly just seeing stuff on social media and be like, I think I can make that a little cooler. And it was kind of the competition side of me being like, I don't want to lose to anyone, even though there's no like winning and losing. It's like art kind of. So it's, you can't win or lose, but you can feel like you did better. Mm -hmm. um, and there's metrics that can make you feel like you did better. <laughs> so that feeds into it. But now it's really um, Harry and Andrew just bouncing stuff off each other. And I mean, we have a group chat and we send stuff to each other. And it's probably, I mean, sometimes just individually, but there's a ton of stuff we send to each other. Like, hey, we should try this. We should do this. We should adjust this a little bit. Um, it's just a lot of that, a lot of going through them. And Harry and I aren't really technical photographers. We're not trained in photography, I guess. So a lot of the stuff we do, a really technical photographer would be like, that's wrong. You're doing that wrong. You shouldn't <laughs> do that. That's a no-no. Um, but it's something for us that it's like, well, that looks cool. That mm -hmm. looks good. We're going to do that. It, it's in, in essence, it's kind of like golf. And, you know, technically you should not, your swing shouldn't be like that, but it, it's feel mm -hmm. and it feels right. So you're just going to go with it on, on, with, with your swing. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and we should bring Andrew into it as well because Andrew also works with Duluth mm -hmm. FC and, um, works with us, you know, in the athletic department at UW Superior. Um, and one of the things I've noticed from watching you guys all year long and, and working with you all year long, whether it's with the Duluth FC or with UWS is, how creative and forward-thinking everybody is. Everybody's a very progressive thinker, and I get the opportunity to see it up close and personal because you guys are usually stationed right next to me. Mm -hmm. So I get a chance to see what you guys are doing and, and kind of experience it firsthand. And, I mean, it's really remarkable. I kind of sit back in awe almost at a certain level of what they are able to put out, especially, like, not just with the quality of the film or doing the little featurettes on the athletes or the game or whatever it is, but also just – the different kind of graphics they can put up. I mean, I remember for Duluth FC this year, we really took a step forward in our broadcasting. And I remember we talked about it, you and me and the general manager and Harry, and we kind of sat down and said, what do we need to do? What do we think we can do with all this? And then everybody pitched some ideas. And then we got, and you showed me the graphics. <laughs> I was like, that we're going to go along with this. And I was like blown away with what the, what we were going to be able to put on screen. Mm -hmm. It was absolutely blown away. And I was like, these guys are an absolute diamond, maybe a diamond in the rough, quote unquote, just because of our, 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 we have so much talent based on our, like, you know, our market size, I guess you could say. Sure. But it was like, I went to Charlie afterward and I was thinking, I was like, I should probably tell John to, this is really high level stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, this is the kind of stuff, like you said, that takes years to put together and they're doing it. Like, oh, that looks kind of cool. Let's, well, yeah, and, yeah. They, and they do it. You know, at the snap of a finger, I mean, you guys, we throw an idea out on a Tuesday morning and by Wednesday morning, it's done. <laughs> you have three different versions of it going, what do you think about this? And we tweaked the color on that and we moved this over here on this one and it, it's, it, it blows my mind and it, cause I, I can't do it. Right. Yeah. It's so polished. Well, we don't think that way. I'm more of an idea person. Like, what do you think about this? Mm -hmm. Here's an idea. But uh, the execution yeah. part for me, you know, none of this was even a thing when I was in college. Mm -hmm. So yeah. There was no classes about this stuff. There was none yeah. of this. Right, yeah. So all of this is new, and about the best I can do is just say, yeah, here. <laughs> Here's <Right>. what I think. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, well, that was the first time that, like, I mean, I was I was blown away mm -hmm. when I got the stuff. I mean, Charlie sent it to me, and I was I looked at it, and I was like, <laughs> wow. 
Because there are pro teams that don't do this as well. Right. As what you and your brother and Andrew put out for Duluth FC this summer. And I was like, wow. Well, and that's that's really when you, when you came on, what was that? 2019. 2019? Yep, fall of 2019. Fall of 2019 when you, you came in with us and started doing some things. And it was, for the most part, just photo work. Mm-hmm. You know, but that that's evolved. Mm-hmm. And then we started to do a little more with the graphics, mm-hmm. you know, the post-COVID time. Yep. And then last year is when it went a step further with, okay, we're going to do full media day stuff. Mm-hmm. So take us through that a little bit and how in your mind you, you viewed it and said, they're doing this and people over this is in video. So you can't see where my hand is near the floor. They're doing this. And now my hand is moving up toward the ceiling. And, but I think we, we have the, the resources to do this and continue to grow mm-hmm. that every year. Take me through your thought process. Yeah. I, so I saw a lot of like pro teams do the media days since like division one schools. And I was just kind of like looking through it and I hadn't shot studio stuff. Um, and then just kind of asked a few people, like, how do you do it? Like, how does it work? And then realized if you're doing it for one team, it's pretty repeatable. So, I mean, some teams are different. You got hockey, you got to go to Westman. Um, but that's not that big of a deal. Move the stuff and get it done. But it's just one of those things that adds to that experience um, and honestly just helps grow our brand. Um, our biggest asset is the athletes. I mean, if each athlete has 1,000 followers and all of our athletes are posting it, that's a huge reach. You suddenly have 350,000 followers. Exactly. Um, and they're touching different markets and different people and different ages. And, you know, there's four or five-year gaps between athletes. And it could be even more, I guess, between some of the hockey players that play juniors and then come in. I mean, it could be six, seven. So then you're hitting very different markets. Um, I mean, when you were a senior, that other person would have been a sixth grader. So uh, I think that helps a lot. And it's kind of cool to see that, too, like all the athletes posting it after we're done and Asking when they're going to get them, and the the asking when they're going to yeah, get yeah. them. You know, <laughs> uh, they're literally still shooting it, going, "When am I going to yeah, get yeah, these?" Yeah. <laughs> it, I, I've last year we saw a lot of growth in the in the social media work, and a lot of that was because of the content that was being put out. What? How big of a role did the the hockey guys play in that? And for those who are unfamiliar, we had a group of men's hockey players mm-hmm. here who, over a couple of years, created. The hockey guys mm-hmm. is all they were. They were yep. a group of guys playing college hockey who did stuff and put, it on TikTok and and put videos and, of yeah. it on TikTok. And it exploded to the point where they've got millions of followers and millions of views. How big of a role did that play, not just for the hockey program, but for the department the university in general? Yeah, I think it went through all the accounts and all of the teams. Um, the men's hockey account obviously saw a huge growth. Um, just because they were so related to that. And the main account saw a lot of growth from that too. Um, but it was just cool to see like how they'd post something and it'd be pushed back or people commenting. or And then you see someone that followed men's hockey and they follow the hockey guys and then all of a sudden they follow another team that they were interested in. Um, and it honestly, just creatively, like it was cool to see what they were doing because mm-hmm. um, a lot of it was out of the box. I mean, that's how they did so well. Right. Um, it wasn't normal. It wasn't standard. It wasn't the same thing every time. Um, and I guess when you, I think that's like a lot of stuff we do now, kind of like the through the lens and the mic'd up, you see these athletes compete and you think they're one way and then you see them on the other side of it and you're like, you're a totally different person than I thought. Um, and that's, I think that's the 
best part that you can showcase and see. And I think that just helps a lot that they showcase like who they are mm -hmm. um, and not just them playing hockey. It's be kind of boring. I mean, anyone can showcase that. Right. Um, but if you showcase them, their attitudes, just how they act, everything about that, I, th I think is very interesting. So, I agree. I think one of the best things you can do, especially in a university setting, is to really spotlight the personalities that make up your respective teams. Because anybody can shoot, you know, like you said, a basketball game or hockey game and and, and stuff like that. But what sets any athletic department apart, I think, is not just the coaches, but the athletes themselves. Mm -hmm. And so the more that you can get the personalities of the athletes, you know, out there so people can see and can relate and can say, yeah, I, you know, I, I can see that. And you know, this is what they're really like, you know, beyond the, you know, the game. And this is the kind of personality that they bring. And this is how they approach their lives and all this kind of stuff. It really, I think, is a selling point. You can really kind of show really what the entire community is like, what the department is like as a across the board. Because mm -hmm. John and I talk about it a lot. We really like the fact that it is kind of a family atmosphere in the athletic department. And not all athletic departments are as connected as ours is in terms of support and uh, the coaches all supporting one another, really. The athletes, for the most part, supporting one another. Um, and so being able to have an outlet for that in social media and being able to showcase that and how it looks and – how it feels, you know, to be a part of that department and have that kind of togetherness is really important. I think that it's mm -hmm. fantastic. And, um, you know, I think that we've got the perfect team to do it with Holden at the, at the helm just because, you know, if you're an alum, of course, you understand it. You know, we're all alums, all three of us. But beyond that, I mean, it's a very welcoming, kind of warm feeling I get. And, and not just watching the teams being around them all the time, but also seeing the content that you guys are putting out. And that's a skill to me. And you, not only do you put it out in an attractive way, you do it in a way that pushes the personality in a nice way as well. You know, like, this is what we're about, you know. I mean, as people, this is what we're about. This is how we handle ourselves, you know. And I think it's, I think it's been fantastic. I mm -hmm. really do. I'm, I'm so excited to be able to work with Holden all the time and to have him at games. Because I know what he's capable of. I've seen right. it in multiple fronts. And both you, Harry, and also Andrew, of course. It's it's just a really good team to have around. I know John, you feel exactly the same way. We've talked about it, like a real important resource, not just for the university and the athletic department, but for the community too. Right. Just having you know a team that that of three guys that's that skilled is really really a boon and something that I'm I'm glad we're taking advantage of because I think we're really ahead of the curve of other D three schools in that regard. Well, that's kind of where I was going to go yeah. next. Is you know we've we've kind of. Over the course of the last year, we, we definitely have progressed. And there's times where you, you just sit back and you look at some of this, whether it is a video that Andrew does or a graphic that Harry or Tyler puts together or, you know, the photo work and everything and just go, man, we're miles ahead of a lot of Division three schools. We're oh, yeah. ahead of some Division two schools in, in what we are putting together here. And so... How do you keep it going? How honestly, do you keep it fresh and how do you keep it moving? Yeah, we'll just have to keep being creative. But honestly, I don't think it will be that hard. Um, our athletes. I'm are glad so, you feel that way because yeah. I look at it and go, "Oh my god!" <laughs> well, well, that's why he's the. How right do we keep going? Yeah. <laughs> well, our athletes are so bought in, and the coaches are so bought into it, um, and they're so okay with us doing all this content. And 
at first when we started the mic'd up stuff, I thought it was very cool, but I was worried that the coaches were going to be like, well, you're impeding on our practice, you're impeding on our warm-ups. Um, that's been the... And now you've got Rich McKenna allowing you to come in for a team meeting. Yeah, yeah. It's the exact opposite. Yeah. And it's coaches asking, hey, can you mic up this player this time? It's like, yeah, of course. Um, I think we'll just have to be creative, but I don't think it'll be that tough. Mm -hmm. I mean, athletes bring ideas. We're always looking at ideas. Um, just keep moving forward. So. And I, I imagine, too, because last year was really the first time we did the full-blown media day, mm -hmm. um, even though it's more like a media couple of hours. Yeah, yeah. Right, um, yeah. you know, because we, we've talked about actually making it mm -hmm. a legitimate full-blown day, all athletes, you know, meals and the getting thing, them yeah. all together and really creating that day, that experience mm -hmm. day of it. But from last year to this year, how, how much of a difference did you see? This year was, we were way more organized. Um, this year I had Andrew and Harry helping me for most of them, which sped up the process a lot. We had two stations. Uh, the one for video and photo with our large letters and smoke machine and lights, and then one for photos and headshots on different backgrounds. But the, just the area we did it in and just the athletes were used to it now, so they knew what they to expect, and they kind of told the freshmen, here's what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. um, also, it seems like they just enjoy it, and yeah. they want to be there. And when they want to be there and they're bought into it, it makes it pretty easy. And, there, and it's again, you've got – some teams have three sets of uniforms, mm -hmm. so you're shooting everybody three times. Mm -hmm. So you have them on a white background, and you have them on a gray background, yeah. and you have them in black uniforms, yellow uniforms, white uniforms, and you're shooting video with them. It, it's not an easy process, no. but the buy-in ha has really helped it become an easier yeah. process. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty easy to do because they're ready to be there. They're ready to be part of it. Um, they're willing to do whatever you ask them to do pose a certain way you know come with their own ideas yep, exactly um especially the video portion like the athletes were very good um at that this year they had a lot of ideas built up and brought props and did certain things and there's some of them that i watch after because andrew's usually just in that room so i'll watch it after and i'll just die laughing it's like that's <laughs> that's pretty good that's funny so and a little less reserved than they were a year ago yeah because I, I remember was... last year in the fall there was a lot of, I, you know, I don't know where to put my hands. Yeah. I don't know what to do. And then as you got to the winter, they were a mm -hmm. little more open to it. And by the time you got to the spring sports, they were, yeah, we got it. Let's all rub Ryan Castaneda's head. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> right. so, yeah. and everybody wanted that played every single game. And now this year they've been much more open with it, mm -hmm. which has made it easier. Did you have freshmen coming in this year going, I saw what you did last year? Oh, yeah, yeah. There was a few that were asking, like, a few baseball players and winter sports athletes that were like, when, when's our media day? And I was like, yep, we have to get the fall ones first. But, uh, <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Uh, you'll be soon. So, And this year we also did the media days pretty early. Um, our last one will be, like, at the end of November here, and they'll have a makeup in the spring semester. Um, but that helps a lot, too. These athletes get that content way earlier. earlier. They can post it, share it. Um, we have it done. It's less stressful. So we're not scrambling right before we leave for spring break or, uh, and there's a lot more space to do it this year too. So it's, it's, it's really cool to see how many profile pictures and avatars get changed to yeah. stuff that we shoot. Yeah. It's, uh, it's kind of interesting to look at like Instagram and you're scrolling through the stories and it's just like, oh, that's your photo. That's a photo. It's like, it's kind of cool to see. Um, but, it, but it goes back to that, that branding that you were mm -hmm. talking about too. And this has really helped develop that brand and Nick yeah. Bursick has been 
instrumental in this and right, has yep. been, you know, from the very beginning mm-hmm. <clears throat> talking about we have to develop a brand and, you know, there what is a brand? And when you see the swoosh, you know exactly what mm-hmm. it is. When you see, you know, the NY with pinstripes, you know exactly mm-hmm. what it is. And right, he's yep. always had in his mind that when you see that that logo, yep. you know, we we want people to know what it is and know what that means mm-hmm. and know what that brand is. And I think that's starting to take hold a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think Harry and I work really hard on making sure our photos look the same or close, uh, which is a weird thing to do when you're a photographer, when you're trying to match. But we think it's really important, both of us, that they look the same. So it's hard to tell who even took it. Um, and that just goes and people see that and they don't even know who took it. It was one Perfect. of us probably. Maybe it was someone else. Um, and that just, that helps us too. When you see a photo that looks a certain way, you're like, oh, that's definitely them. That's what does that mean? So what, right, what do you mean by we want them to look a certain way? Yeah, so we do something a little weird. We shoot really low aperture, which a lot of sports photographers don't always do because um, it's pretty hard to get focused sometimes. Okay, so I know nothing about, the listener yeah. knows nothing about this. What do you mean low aperture? So the lower the aperture, the more light. Photography lets, 100 here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the lower the aperture, the more light it lets in. Um, and sports photography is usually at 2.8. That's kind of a good aperture to shoot. You'll get the athlete and maybe a little of the background. Um, but we try to push it, and we'll shoot at one two or one four, um, which if you're a photographer, you're probably like, "What? Why are you doing that?" Um, but if you go look at a basketball or volleyball photo at one point two, or even a soccer photo, um, you're probably gonna wonder if it's even real because it will look everything in the background's gone, and it's just the athlete. Um, and then our color to us is very important. Uh, it's something I wanted to like switch away from and do more natural, like photojournalist color. Um, but then I realized a lot of people love that and want that, and it's just gonna have to stick with it. Well, because um, I, I like the first year you shot for us, it seemed like a lot of photos, like if it was something that I shot or like Jade shot before, mm-hmm. it was more natural light. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not a photographer by any means. Right, yeah. I, I knew just enough to get the job done. But when you started shooting, things had a little more gold, mm-hmm. a little yep. more tint to it. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And we got to the point where we tried to the preset will color match the jerseys to our logo color. Um, it's not exact, but it's pretty close um, since yellow just doesn't print the same as our logo as it does on a jersey. Right. Um, and it kind of just fits the whole brand together of it. Um, so we have presets for every venue, um, every sport, and then Harry and I share them with each other. And if we make an adjustment, we make sure the other person made the same adjustment. Um, and it can change. I mean, if Westman the other day, like one row of lights wasn't on. And when we were looking through them, we we're like, oh, our preset's way off. So there's a lot of like variables that um, you have to fix. And like outside, we shoot an AV. So your aperture stays the same and your ISO stays the same, but your shutter speed will vary. So it allows you to get the same amount of light in the photo. And then it's pretty easy to edit. Um, that's another thing that's probably a little interesting is a lot of people shoot like manual, full manual for sports. But mm-hmm. We do AV and then you just limit the shutter speed. So the lowest it can go will still stop the person. So it's not blurry or anything like that. I'm, again, (laughs) I'm not a trained photographer. I knew I was just enough to be dangerous Mm -hmm. and to be able to get my job done when I needed something. Well, these are really advanced techniques. But yeah, it is. is Yeah, this is not just point and shoot like we're used to when you take a a photo. Um, And... I don't know if people necessarily understand the average listener how much 
experimentation you have to do in order to figure these things out that Holden's talking about. I mean, you have to try a number of different settings, mm-hmm. uh, shutter speeds, ISOs, and then also apertures to try to figure out exactly what looks the best and is the most vibrant. Imagine trying to do this without digital. Yeah, oh, like yeah. if you had to shoot all yeah. this yeah, stuff yeah, and then yeah. develop the film. Mm-hmm. See what and, and that go, was. Oh, their eyes were closed. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> that I uh, that was something that. See, when I came up as a sports writer, we were still doing film, and I had to take my own photos. So I know a little bit of what he's talking about. I know a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, you wouldn't have been able to make these kind of adjustments um, quickly back in the old days because you would have had to have burned through. Rolls and rolls and rolls well, of film. Well, he's at 162,000 pictures. I yeah, mean, you'd have month to alone. That's through. a lot of film. And on top of that, you'd be trying to figure out, you know, shutter speeds and ISOs, lighting different venues, you know, uh, apertures. All that stuff would have to be figured out on the fly, but you wouldn't be able to see what you had until you developed it. Mm-hmm. So it would take five, six times as long for Holden and Harry and Andrew to do what they do now if they had film back then, because then you also had to deal with color versus black and white film. Yep. So that was another thing that you had to take into account. Mm-hmm. What kind of role am I shooting? Do I mm-hmm. have black and white or do I have color film? Mm-hmm. And then back then you could also manipulate a little bit through the developing process depending on how much developer you actually use and stop. And then there were some other things you can do. But yeah, the digital age has really made some of the stuff that Holden's talking about here much more efficient, much quicker. You can do it all. You can do it on a laptop. Mm-hmm. A lot of it. And you can make those adjustments now. But yeah, back in the old days, it would have been almost not feasible. Yeah, have you shot film? Yeah. Yep. I love black and white. So mm-hmm. I don't shoot much color, but black and white, I usually process it with the mono bath now. So it's one solution. Okay. You just get it to the right temp, and that's how you change okay. um, how much it, you know, I think it's it would be the stop, which okay. would affect how much what the temperature is. That would change. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Sometimes I love it. Sometimes I hate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a few like Canon point and shoot film cameras that are kind of cool and they get a cool look. Um, the only thing that upsets me is that like kind of perfectionist of how it looks and you cannot do that on film. Right. I, you can, but it's tough. So. It's really tough. You got to yeah. like to do it with film. You really have to be yeah, right on top of it. I mean, there's no, the experimentation level with film is really kind of limited. Right. Mm-hmm. Just because of the medium is completely different. It, mm-hmm. It's just, it is what it is. What you get is what you get. And if you're not aware and you don't have that eye perfectly tuned, the film isn't going to look the same as you necessarily want it to. Like you have to have a preconceived notion and have gone through thousands and thousands of repetitions to get it to where you want it to be. Sure. If you're using film. Film is film is a much more challenging thing because it's it goes back to more of the kind of the technical aspects of actual mm-hmm. photography. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, there's not so you don't need to have as much with the digital age, but as someone who did take photography in college, and who had to do it for a couple of years as a sports writer, yeah, it's it. It's such a different like medium now than it used to be. Mm-hmm. And taking away the film, actually, I loved it. I thought it was the greatest thing ever when we got our first digital camera when I was working as a sports writer because you were hoping, and none of us were seasoned photographers. You were hoping whenever you made you shot a role that. God, you're hoping for one or two photos that were, you know, good enough that you could use them and you weren't going to have a bad, you know, blowback from anybody. Mm-hmm. That was sort of the way that you, you wanted to go about it. But now you can see it in real time. And it makes such a difference as to, you know, 
what you can do and what kind of changes you can make, what kind of uh, alterations you can make. It's just really exciting. I mean, I know that there are purists out there that don't like it, but I think it's been really good, especially for the athletic side of it. Yeah. It's it's because athletics is different from shooting other things. I mean, it's, you know, if you're shooting like... Well, with the speed of it. Yeah, and... exactly. Athletics <laughs> is not the same thing as shooting a still or, you know, shooting a wedding even or shooting like a nature, you know, presentation, something yeah, like no, that. No, it's a moving target. Yeah, it's, it's mm-hmm. just, it's completely different. And I think for a lot of the photography wonks out there, that's what the, where the difficulty and the kind of the, the loss in translation kind of happens. Because you can't approach sports photography the same way that I can guarantee you, for, ex- for example, that Holden does not approach family shots or weddings the same way that he approaches a game. It's just, mm-hmm. it's a completely different medium of, of photography. And it, it's really interesting to hear your different kind of versions because I know you shoot a lot of weddings. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's funny because I think sports photography is the easiest one. Do you really? Um, okay. Because you're not directing anything. You're just you're just viewing it, right. and you're shooting yeah. it, and you just change how you want to see it and how you want to capture it. Um, but when you do portraits or family shoots, you're and you have to deal with a <laughs> three and a half year old who's got some energy in him. Well, yeah, because then you are directing traffic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To me, that's fun. It, I enjoy it. I just think sports photography is probably the easiest one. Okay, uh, at least for me. Um, but I, I guess it's also just doing it so much that you know exactly what your settings need to be and what you need to change if you want to get something else. Um, so it is a little frustrating when you start and you try to change stuff and all of a sudden everything's super dark or super pixelated. It's just, it's very frustrating. But once you learn how to use it in different lenses, right, yeah. and you don't always need to use your favorite lens. Um, you can switch it up a little bit. You can do right. something different. You don't need to uh, follow what everyone else is do, doing. Um, so I do. It's kind of funny when I see another photographer at like a, a sporting event, and maybe I'm shooting on like an eighty-five one-two, and they just look at you like, "What are you doing? That's for <laughs> portraits. Why are you using that for sports?" Right. Yeah. It's like because it looks really Cause cool. something cool is going to come yeah, out of this. It looks yeah. really cool. Or hockey shooting hockey with an eighty-five. Like if I went to a pro stadium and did that, they'd probably look at me like, "What?" But honestly, I think it makes the most interesting look. Um, and you're kind of stuck in that one position, but it looks really cool. So. Now, the other part of your job on campus is working with the marketing communications mm-hmm. office. So how has the other half been? Good, good. There's a lot of events on campus, a lot of stuff. that's more than people on. think, isn't yes, there? Yes, yes. Um, it's absolutely crazy how much goes on on this campus. Um, it's amazing, though. So, yeah, it's been really cool to see that side because um, it's, it's kind of different than athletics. Um, those events are a little bit more specific of what you're trying to capture, and you're doing more pose stuff and more university things so you're going to focus on that and less of like the who is in it and more of capturing it for the marketing side um so that's a little different but yeah it's been good though taking sports out of it what's what's your favorite thing you've shot on campus so far that's tough um no sports no sports I'd say either when Biden came to campus, because it's kind of my goal to take like photos of a sitting U.S. president. I didn't care who or when. That was just kind of one of my goals in life. Um, it happened way earlier than I expected. Um, it's too bad we had to, that everybody had to mask on there too, because yeah. that, that kind of stole some of the moment. Yeah, I, I guess, get it. I get why I'm not right, criticizing yeah, yeah, yeah. that, but it, it kind of robbed the moment a mm-hmm. little bit. I guess those photos will kind of stay like that forever. It'll be kind of a reminder of like, that's what was going on. Yep, that's when it that's was. True. Um, so it was pretty cool. Otherwise, I'm trying to think of what else. There's been a lot of cool stuff. But I mean, it could even be like 
first snowfall on campus because I know how much you enjoy shooting yeah. snow and mm-hmm. events in snow. And there, there is something cool about the first snowfall of the year when it clings to the trees and everything, and you've got that fresh white blanket on campus. Yeah. I think last year we did like the first, uh, when first snow, we did some drone shots, and that was probably like my favorite, just kind of sitting there and flying around, and people are walking around. Um, it was kind of funny because no one really noticed it, so you're just this guy sitting on the bench with a controller. People are just walking around you and you're flying around. And um, that, I do enjoy that. I like the drone around campus because it's kind of a different look. I don't see many schools use it unless they're using it. You know, they're having somebody else come in and do it. So it's kind of cool that we get to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, my background with drones and everything. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it, I keep, I've, I sound like a broken record, but the stuff with drones, all the, all the social media stuff. Um, you know, beer cans and snow banks. Yeah. For the brew fest last year. That was a funny one. Carrying around a brown paper bag, taking out beers and taking photos in the snow. Ah, <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Well, we had a beer showcase coming. Yeah. You, you got to promote. But it's like, that's all blow, like also like showcasing the personality of the campus though too. Like that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. You know, I mean, photographing Joe Biden, that was, I'm sure great. Um, I didn't get a chance to make it over to campus that day. I had to work over in Duluth. <clears throat> but, yeah, it. They didn't want anybody extra on campus that day. Yeah, yeah. it was one of those. If you don't have to be on campus, mm-hmm. please don't come here. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty packed. It was it was a pretty crazy experience. I can imagine. Yeah, and I I did watch it online though. And seeing the mm-hmm. Secret Service on campus mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. everything. The cars go by. Yeah, uh, the, the but even just wa- like walking across campus to go to another building and you see Secret Service mm-hmm. agents all over campus. It's it's a little creepy. It, it's weird, but it's cool too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And those guys have got a serious job, so they. They take it very seriously, mm-hmm. so you don't want to get on the wrong side of them. Yeah. Um, that was pretty cool. My mom actually called me that day, and she was like, by the way, Biden's coming to UWS. And I was like, yeah, I heard. Because <laughs> he had just done the State of the Union, mm-hmm. I think, the mm-hmm. night. The day before. The day before, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he was coming up, and she said, yeah, he's going to start talking about the Blatnik Bridge. And I was like, yeah, the Blatnik Bridge. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, and sure enough, like within like five minutes, he started talking about infrastructure in the Blatnik Bridge. And... Uh, I watched it, and it was it was kind of a moment where I was kind of like, man, President of the United States is in Superior right now mm-hmm. on campus, right outside my wife's office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. I remember you said something about that too. I think yeah, like you were. I think, she was not on campus that day. You texted me though. I think you said it was yeah. like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so that was that was that was a really cool moment. I was I actually thought about you at that time because mm-hmm. I think maybe they even got a like they might have caught you because I watched it on the Fox feed. Okay. And I think I might have even caught a, a glimpse of you like walking through or yeah, out I, to the side maybe, I think. I got to go pretty close, so it was yeah. pretty cool. And I was really impressed with how like respectful they were with my camera gear because we had to, like they checked everything when we came in and they asked me to turn it all on and like they're like, I don't want to mess it up. Like just show us how to turn it on. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Because when you go to an airport, right? Yeah, I've had like last spring break, they just turn your bag upside down and drop two cameras out. And I'm like, Ooh, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, so, that's yeah. that's not good for the for the machinery. No, <laughs> no, yeah. not at but, all. Yeah, yeah. That, that I was kind of jealous actually because I was like, man, Holden's getting the. Because I was like, I I think I forgot to ask you about it, but I was like, man, next time I see Holden, I got to talk to him about that. Like, because I did see you on the Fox feed, and I was like, oh, Holden's over there taking photos. That's awesome. <laughs> that's so cool. So, so where does this all go? I mean, how do you, how in the world can you? keep up with trends and keep the idea of what the next thing is going to be. I think it's when you have like, like all my friends, we always talk about this and we're always bouncing ideas off each other. So I think when you kind of do that, I I think like the whole athletics media circle around 
you know, the area is probably a lot closer than people think. Um, people are bouncing ideas off each other, and you might know what another school's doing before they even do it, mm -hmm. um, just because you're kind of trying to see, like, hey, you think this would look cool? You think this is a good idea? Um, remember when we did the first, like, shoot with the letters? I remember sending it out to, like, all my friends, like, hey, what do you think about this? And it was like, where'd you get those? Yep. And I was like, oh, shoot, okay. Uh, <laughs> but it's kind of interesting. You see, like, There's so many schools doing all this content, so many professional teams doing content that you kind of get to and see. Plagiarism is almost, it's part of the deal. Yeah, yeah. And, and even if like you see something they do and you don't have to copy it exactly, but you kind of tweak it, um, I think that's just part of it. I mean, there's probably an infinite amount of ideas, but they're all going to stem from ideas and just kind of go off of each other. Um, so just hope to keep it fresh, change it up a little bit. Um, the letters are awesome. Maybe not use them every year because they're a lot to move. Yep. <laughs> but uh, they're, they're cool. They're a cool thing. And I think they're a huge part of the photos that we do. Like you walk in there and you're like, whoa, like what are these? Mm -hmm. um, it's hard to kind of even see like the actual size of them until you get up next to them. You're like, these are pretty cool. Yeah. Like, this is an interesting, uh, interesting part of our media day. So. Well, I, I know I speak for many when I say we, we appreciate what you and your, your team are putting in, and I know the hours are extremely long and probably compensated pennies on the dollar for the number of hours that you all put in, but the, uh, the difference you're making in the student-athlete experience and the student experience in general mm -hmm. on campus, it, it's immeasurable. So I know I'm speaking for a lot of people when I say we appreciate what you're doing. Yeah, well, yeah, thank you. You're here for sure. So Holden Law. Guru of digital content, and uh, not just for athletics, but for the uh, University Marketing Communications Office. Thanks for coming by. Yeah, thank you guys. Thanks for having me. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more of Eye of the Swarm right after this. Orkers Island Inn is now hiring, and there's a position just for you. Apply for front desk, housekeeper, bartender, server, cook, and dishwasher. We're hiring great people like you. Call or click for more information and apply today. Final segment of this week's Eye of the Swarm, and always enjoyable catching up with Holden. And I mean, I, I keep going back. I that young man has skills <laughs> Boy, does that I can't even fathom. Uh, he's got creativity that I will never, ever, ever be able to farm out of the recesses of my mind ever. And he just, maybe it's the youth, I don't know, but he's got his, his power pack, his energy. I don't know where he gets it all because I feel like that dude is always working. He is. He is. Um, you know, I, I alluded to it several times in talking to him about our, our work together at Duluth FC, but he is a very, very, very creative individual. He has an eye for things that I don't have and you just said you don't have. Um but he makes our lives so much easier mm -hmm. because of the work that he does. Correct. Um, and he really has a passion for it. Mm -hmm. It's not just that he has the eye or that he has the mind for it. He really understands it. Um, and he's he has faith in his own abilities. Most guys, you know, he, he kind of talked about a little bit, we're a little bit atypical in the way we approach it. Mm -hmm. um, but he knows it works for him. Yeah. And so he's willing to do it. And his brother Harrison, for those of you who have not met Harrison, he's now in school here. He came in, I think he's a freshman this he's year. He's a freshman he? this year. Um, is right there with him. 
in terms of creativity and, and insight and I. I mean, the two of them, it's interesting to listen to them in the press box at times, especially during soccer season, go back and forth about, you know, how do we want to shoot this? How do we want to, like, frame this? Right. Like, what do you think of this one? And sometimes they get into arguments, and it's kind of interesting to listen to the two brothers argue about it. But at the same time, you know there's a lot of creative juices flowing there. Yeah. So you let them kind of work it out. Yep. And Just go with it. The end product is always great. Yep. I mean, <laughs> no, it's, it's phenomenal. Yeah. It's phenomenal. You know, and I, it, it, and I, I'm so grateful that these people just kind of fell in our lap. Yeah, we're really lucky to have them. Oh my for gosh! Sure. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I hear from other people around our conference, other people in the region, going, "The work that you guys are doing, holy cow!" Yeah, yeah. So, thank you. Yeah, thank you very much for for saying that, for recognizing the work that these people are doing, and for dialing up the pressure a little bit more because we have to keep figuring out a way to deliver. Yeah. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I mean that that's essential to what Holden. Holden's a very progressive thinker. So is Harry. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrew is really good too. He's a little bit of the unsung group because he's the quietest. He's of the, the quiet one. Yep. You know, but his his work is also really good. He's really good with a camera in his hand. Yep. Um, so you've got three resources there with Holden, Harry, and Andrew that are really on top of it. Yep. And they really understand it. And you and I get to see them work up close. It's fantastic. Yeah, because uh, I, when I said they're stationed next to me in the press boxes at these various locations, that's literally the truth. Yep. They're literally posted right next to me. Yeah. So I get a chance to see what they're doing. And they all understand what they're trying to do, and the work that they put out is just phenomenal. Yeah. So we're so lucky to have them. And, um, you know, I'm lucky I get a chance to work with them all year, mm-hmm. you know? And so I always look forward to Duluth FC because I know the three of them are going to be there. Yep. And they're going to be working on that end of it as well. So, yeah, it's it, – it, it's it's a real pleasure working with them too because they're just really nice guys, all three of them. <laughs> so on top of being really talented, right? They're really easy to be around. Yeah, so. they're, they're great to be around yeah. and, and great to work with. So, so speaking of work, speaking of work, we got some uh, our winner four of our winter sports teams the, that are going to be in action here over the course of the next week. And, yeah, uh, you know, some of them on multiple occasions. Some will have multiples, but the, we've uh, got um, the two oh, hockey teams are going to be really busy this week. Yeah, uh, the two basketball teams not as much, but there are games and. Uh, a lot of them are on the road, so not a lot of home cooking this week. There will be a couple of home hockey games. But That's all right, because if you take into account last night's women's basketball game, we've had 16 home games on our campus since the 2nd of November. So <laughs> right, we we could use a little bit of a yeah, – let's dial it back a, a hair. Yeah, you're looking for a bit of a let's breather. Let's dial it back a little bit. So a bunch of road games, a couple of home games, but most of the teams are on the road. So. Yep. Uh, we'll get into this. Men's basketball has just one game this week, but it's a toughie. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Saturday, November 19th, they're at Bethel. That'll be a 3 p.m. opening tip against the Royals down in St. Paul. That'll be a tough one. Bethel's always tough. They're yep. always a good team. So um, Coming up that loss against Platteville, hopefully the Jackets can give another good accounting of themselves at the very least right. uh, against the Royals in non-conference action. But that's it for men's basketball this week. So um, Hopefully, like I said, a good accounting coming up for Greg Polkowski and company. Women's basketball has a pair of games also on the road this week. They have a real tough task on Saturday, even tougher than the men have. They're taking on the number 13-ranked team in the country, Simpson. Uh, that'll be a 2 p.m. opening tip down in Iowa. And then on Tuesday, the 22nd, they are at UW-Stout. They play the Blue Devils just about annually now. Yep. In non-conference action, that'll be a 7 p.m. But that game against Simpson is going to be really tough. Yep. Uh, that Simpson team came in here last year, really impressed with them. Mm-hmm. They were probably, the, if not the best women's team that I've seen come into the merch, they're pretty close. they deep, talented, skilled 
Um, and they ran up and down the floor. I mean, they I mean, could this really... is a this is a tough stretch for them because you're yeah. going to have Simpson, then you have Stout, then you have Lacrosse, then you have Platteville. Yep. Then you have North Dakota. Right. Yeah. So, so the next five games for them are going to be. Yeah. Or that's it's a real test. Yeah. It's it's going to be a grind, and we'll see what they what they can put together. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, good start for yep. sure. They got the wins that they that they needed at the start, and hopefully they'll uh, they'll be able to squeak out a couple here along the way as well. But sure. Uh, yeah, tough stretch coming up for them. So. Uh, best of luck to the women on the road here. Women's hockey, three games this week. As I mentioned, they are home for two of them this week. On Friday the 18th, this coming Friday, they take on Northland College for 7 p.m. opening faceoff at Westman Arena. And then on Saturday, they have a day tilt against UW-Stevens Point, 2 p.m., 145 the pregame, 91.3 FM, KUWS. Mr. Garver will be mm-hmm. on the call for that one. Indeed. And then to close out the week on the 22nd, they step out of conference again. To take on St. Benedict in St. Cloud, 7 p.m., the opening face-off there. This will be the first broadcast you've had of the women's hockey team, right? Correct. Yeah. So that's – and the games of the pointers are always spirited. Yes. I would say. Yes. That's, <laughs> so that's a good that's, way to put it. Yeah, that's – that's. I mean, they're usually pretty intense. Yeah. So that's what's coming up for women's hockey. And, again, last but not least, that's men's hockey. Three games this week for Coach Rich McKenna and company, starting on Friday the 18th. Down at Hunt Arena, taking on UW River Falls, 7 p.m., the opening face-off, again, the pregame at 6.30 with Mr. Garver. Saturday, they're back home on the 19th to take on UW-Stout, 7 p.m. The opening face-off, again, 6.30 pregame. And then on Tuesday, make the long trip down to Final Act to take on Marion in non-conference action. That's a 4 p.m. opening face-off. Is that going to be on delay? Okay, yeah, so that'll be, what, 7 o'clock? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, everything will start at 7. So, yeah, so that's two of their three games on the road, two of the women's three games at home, so three home game- games in total over at Westman Arena on Friday and Saturday combined. So yep. if you have a chance, go out and watch them. If not, listen to Mr. Garver on the Indeed. radio. <laughs> Indeed. And for our full, full broadcast schedule, you can always go to uwsyelljackets.com, go to the fan page, and Broadcast Central. And there's a list of all the games we'll be broadcasting yep. here coming up in the coming months. But, uh, yeah, it should be a fun one. I know that trip to Fond du Lac, though, we both have made it with various teams, and it's a long trip. It is. Yeah, it's a haul. They're, they're going Monday okay. um, because of the – it was originally a seven o'clock game. Now it got bumped to four, so they're going to leave Monday. Okay, you know, and that'll well, help, this will be a nice leisurely trip. A little bit, yeah, yeah that'll, that'll make it. It's yeah. still a long way to go to play one. It is. That's a that's yeah. about a six and a half, seven hour drive for those yeah. of you who don't know. So it's a long one. So at any rate, yeah, at any rate, that's what's coming up this week. Uh, so three home games and a bunch on the road. And program note: uh, no swarm next week. No swarm next we week. We will okay. not have one next week because of being the day before Thanksgiving. Right. Yep. And chances are, I'm going to get back around midnight, one a.m. and I'm not working the next day. So yeah, I've got pretty much the whole week off. We'll so take I'm the gonna, Thanksgiving break yeah, and I'll be uh, out of town myself. Be back so. in full force the week after that, and that'll be December. Yeah, then we'll be into looking at uh, Christmas. We're going to be in December and, and looking at you know the calendar year of 2023 looming. Yeah, so you know, so it's uh, the first semester has really flown by. It has, and we've been uh, thankfully, knock on wood, we've been able to. Uh, as I knock on the table to my right here, uh, hopefully we'll be able to keep the schedule as is, mm-hmm. uh, not have to make any alterations because we've had a pretty good run here. No doubt about it. But uh, yeah, hopefully more to come. No doubt. But it's been a fun first half of the year. It has been. It's been a real good first half. Yeah. So. So hopefully, hopefully more to come as we finish out the semester and roll into 2023 and uh, and a whole new semester and, and all of that good stuff. So for the program engineer here, production engineer, I should say, Adam DeMuth for the Big Sound, Matt Johnson. I am John Garver. Thank you for listening to Eye of the Swarm. Mm-hmm.